0: What's up, everybody? We're live with the Osmo Start Sit Show, the Week 10 Edition. I'm your host, Matt Gajeski, and I'm here with Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter, at Matt underscore gajeski, and you can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Today, our title sponsor is Yahoo Fantasy. Before we get started, hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live across the Osmo platform. And let's see how many likes we can rack up in the chat today. It is our question-heavy show throw everything you have into the chat and Kyle and I will get to it as the questions roll through, but Kyle, what is going on? I know you do all of our live before lock stuff for showdown. It was an interesting game, a lot more points scored than I particularly thought and man, Phillip rivers really has a thing for throwing to his RB. So what did you make of the game last night? Yeah, it was a good game. It
1: was really interesting to see how those targets shook out and as opposed to like having, I guess, Michael Pittman. Other than Michael Pittman, it was all the Neam Hines show, which was interesting. I didn't uh, I didn't have a ton of him in captain. It was mostly in the flex, but that uh, got me a lot of min caches. It was a profitable night. And uh, Alex got me on to like playing more of Philip Rivers as that show went on, which was kind of the saving grace for me. I was like pretty lukewarm on him, but uh, just his ability to throw to so many different options, which I mean, in this case, happened to be a lot of Hines, a lot of Pittman but that made him an interesting captain and and even flex play. So interesting showdown. And like you said, we have a lot of these showdowns now where it's every time we wake up the next day, we're like, how did that game get to that many points? It was like Jets Broncos, Jets, um, Jets, New England, a lot of these different games, you think like two ugly, two ugly teams, not going to put up much points. And in the context of today's NFL, I just don't know if we can assume that anymore.
0: Honestly, I have a theory that it's the short weeks. These teams just don't have enough time to prepare for the opposing defenses and offenses. That is, I guess, but, you know, this is just a personal theory. I have not back tested this. But welcome, everyone. Welcome to the chat. About third of you watching. We'll continue to wait for some of you to roll through. If you have questions, start, sit questions specifically, throw them into the chat. Kyle and I are first going to touch on some of the big news throughout the week. Wait for some of those questions to come through. And we're going to answer each and every one of them. There's a lot of jokes in the chat about Philip Rivers passing yardage. I'm with you. I played a lot of Phillip Rivers, but unfortunately, T.Y. Hilton was my most owned captain. Well, Lafayette and I built a T.Y. Hilton captain lineup, and I was like, you know what? I kind of just want to play Michael Pittman here instead, and I ended up rolling with T.Y. Hilton and uh, got dusted. But let's talk about some news. We have to hit on the big news first and foremost. I don't think this is really too much in regards to start sit. If you have Mike Davis, I think you're playing Mike Davis. He's going to be obviously replacing Christian McCaffrey there are a few other situations where we have running backs potentially returning that I think are more impactful for a seasonal league where we have more decisions to make at least a few of them just to rattle a couple off Kenyon Drake if he returns we could see a timeshare with Chase Edmonds Nick Chubb he's been practicing this week that could render Cleveland a timeshare what do you make of these backs that are coming back from injury
1: I think for the backs that are coming back of injury because they are, well, I don't know if they're stud backs, they're backs who get a lot of work. I don't know if I'd call Kenyon Drake a stud Nick Chubb Absolutely. Like uh, just one of the more talented running backs in the league when he is healthy and Kenyon Drake talented or not does get a lot of work between the tackles. The game should feature a lot of scoring. So I'd be tentatively fine playing both of them. I don't think they would come back and be extremely limited. I think if that were the case, they would probably just sit another week until they can get their, normal level of usage for both of these guys it's largely between the tackles roles but that's okay like both their games feature like expect to be a lot of scoring so I think that's fine they have enough touchdown upside that although sure there's like a small like a small amount of greater potentially re-injury risk or slight like limited role risk I'm still playing both of uh you know Kenyon Drake and especially Nick Chubb coming back from their respective injuries assuming obviously that they do end up being active
0: yeah and assuming you don't have better options running back especially in fantasy league seasonal leagues we're talking is pretty rough out there there are some people that have dealt with it, like Saquon Barkley is still going to be out there's a few other starters Austin Eckler is still an injury reserve we're still scrapping by looking for starters so I highly doubt most people have a lot of great options you probably have to roll with guys like Nick Chubb someone else I want to get your take on is Joe Mixon so Joe Mixon practicing on a limited basis if Joe Mixon plays it's similar to Chubb similar to Drake I think you have to play Joe Mixon my question to you is, what does it look like with Giovanni Bernard? Will we see Joe Mixon in a limited role?
1: I think the most limitation we could see was like that first three-week stretch where it seemed clearly like Giovanni Bernard was the preferred pass catching back. It's just that they ran enough passing plays that you still got a handful of Joe Mixon targets. I think it was like a five-to-three ratio in favor of Gio in the first three weeks. And then that kind of flip where Gio got phased out. But I still think he gets the entirety of the rushing work. And enough receiving work that even like he can't get completely game scripted out, maybe instead of manifesting itself as seven or eight targets, it looks more like three or four, but that's still more than you project for Chubb or Drake. So you're absolutely playing him. And I think that's almost the floor outcome is that he sees almost all the carries and few but still some targets and the ceiling outcome is he's just playing old Joe Mix and getting all the targets all the carries and either way
0: you're starting him. I'm with you 100%. I I like Joe Mixon as a start this week. Assuming we don't get news like he's a DNP on Friday or something. If he's uh, limited again, I think he's probably good to go. A few of our first questions are starting to roll into the chat. Oh, man, this is a perfect one for you, Kyle. I know you have strong opinions on this. We have a tight end question. And, you know, tight end is probably the grossest position in fantasy football, unless you have Travis Kelsey. Even George Kittle gone for the foreseeable future. So it's gotten even a little bit worse. Dakota needs to start Jimmy Graham or Austin Hooper. I'm going to throw this your way first.
1: Yeah, it's Jimmy Graham. They are playing like he plays a larger role within the context of his offense than we can project Austin Hooper to play. And his team passes more than not only the Browns who pass at one of the lowest rates in the league, but currently Chicago, I believe, leads the league in passing rate. So if you're getting as much, if not more of a role in the context of your own offense, and then your offense is better in terms of how often it wants to pass, you're just taking Jimmy Graham and you roll with it. I think that's pretty cut and dry. I don't think Austin Hooper is a terrible play. Like he should be the number one tight end on a team that projects score a lot of points. The only problem is, you know, they project to probably score a decent amount of them on the ground. I think he's a fine play. You can certainly, you know, bring him off of the waiver wire, stream him. That's okay. I just think that when you have guys who have been like tight end ones throughout the course of the year in Jimmy Graham, you take those guys over your Austin Hoopers. Hunter Henry is kind of another example of the volume has been there. Maybe you haven't had explosive games yet, but I take the volume over a guy like Austin Hooper, who does have concerns with like a backup tight end taking work over him, mostly because of like two tight end sets and the fact that his team is favored and loves to run the football when that is the case. So Austin Hooper, not, not like a terrible play by any means, especially in the context of just picking a guy up off of the waiver wire, but Jimmy Graham's like Jimmy Graham, Hunter Henry, even he, he more falls in that Logan Thomas tier where his offense is better. So you can argue that the decrease in volume makes him a better play of Logan Thomas but outside of that, I, I still think I'm taking most of the guys that I
0: currently have rostered over an Austin Hooper. I'm with you in that point. I think we're in agreement on Austin Hooper. It reminds me of when Harrison Bryant came into the fold and people were really excited to play Harrison Bryant. I was kind of confused. All right. You didn't want to play Austin Hooper before Harrison Bryant luck box is two touchdowns. Like, why are we playing this guy? And it's the same thing with Hooper. He'd be just a middling tight end play because the position is very, I mean, it's Touchdown dependent overall Hooper does have like as good of a shot as anyone to get one, but I mean, you're not feeling great about Austin Hooper. So I'm with you. I think it's Jimmy Graham based on password alone, even just the PPR value that comes with that would lead me towards Jimmy Graham. He has another question too. So Dakota, we're going back to you. It is chase Edmonds, Mike Williams, Miles Sanders, T Higgins. We need to pick two. So Kyle and I, I think we're in agreement that our favorite thing to do in these situations is take our favorite player and then try to narrow this down, make it an easier decision for us overall. For me, I'm going to take Miles Sanders. He's the first guy. I think you're just lock buttoning, starting him. And then the other three are a little bit more of a decision. I think it's made easier if Kenyon Drake sits. If Kenyon Drake sits, it's Chase Edmonds. It's Miles Sanders. If Kenyon Drake plays, I think I'm going the upside with Mike Williams in that situation. I don't have a strong take between T. Higgins and Mike Williams, but Mike Mike Williams plays on the better offense. And that's always going to be the tiebreaker for me. So Kyle, again, here are the options. We need to pick two of these four. Chase Edmonds, Mike Williams, Miles Sanders, and T. Higgins.
1: Yeah, so I pulled this up. This was as of 40 minutes ago, about 50 minutes ago now. Miles Sanders said he's 100% and ready to play in Week 10. I feel good. I feel normal. I'm ready to get back. So we're going to see, I think, the full complement of Miles Sanders snaps. I think that's pretty much locked in. It was rumored as late as, like, or as early as, like, late last week that he was going to be practicing all week. So I think this was kind of the plan all along that he would come back now given that nothing has changed for that seems like we're getting hundred percent of normal miles Sanders. You start that guy, not only over like these flex options, but he, he's an rb one whenever he is healthy and taking on this full role. So you lock him in pretty much easily. And now I don't have any concern of like a late scratch or anything. Whereas like, Kenyon Drake is still at least a bit up in the air. I do think it's more likely that he plays, and because of that, I'm in the exact same boat as you. If for some reason he suffers a setback, like we find out today he suffered a setback, Chase Edmonds, you're jamming Chase Edmonds, in. like 28 touches last week is insane. And even if he doesn't, even if, you know, he doesn't suffer a setback, Chase Edmonds is an okay PPR option, but like you're probably looking at the same amount of targets as someone like Mike Williams, where Mike Williams' targets all come with the incredible upside that they are both like incredible dot targets, and they come from an incredible quarterback in Justin Herbert so I would take Mike Williams assuming Kenyon Drake is back on the off chance something happens Chase Edmonds and Miles Sanders combined for two RB1s in the flex which would be nice here
0: I like that call a lot I think we're in agreement there Chris asked if Chris Carson is back last I checked Chris Carson is still coming in the week as a game time decision Take this with a grain of salt. Seattle is not the most honest team in the NFL with injury reporting. Two weeks ago, Chris Carson was allegedly a game time decision. And then the following week, they ruled him out in advance well ahead of the game. So it's hard to tell where Chris Carson is actually at. I would trust Shefty or News God in the chat. Now, next question. We have a gross quarterback situation. It is Jake Lutton or Daniel Jones. Got to start one week this week. Man, this is tough. So you're you're getting to the real bottom of the barrel here. For me, honestly, it's going to be Daniel Jones. I don't feel great about it. He's in the more difficult matchup. I think Lutton has the better matchup going against Green Bay, but we're still working with just a one-game sample size for a sixth-round quarterback. Now he's entering his second game of the year. DJ Chark mispracticed this week. If he doesn't play, I think that's even more of a problem for Lutton. I'll take Daniel Jones. We don't have a huge sample on Daniel Jones yet, I mean, but – the rushing equity, think that could be something that gets you there. Overall, I don't have a strong lean, but it's going to be Daniel Jones. What do you make of Jake Lutton versus Daniel Jones, Kyle?
1: Yeah, I think you just have to take the rushing equity of Daniel Jones. And it's not like you're giving a small lean. Like when you look at someone like, I don't know, I always think of like Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck. Or like uh, James Winston always kind of had like some sneaky, like small rushing and touchdown equity. No, you're getting like, you're getting, I don't know, not... Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, but somewhere between them, you're getting like probably number three or four overall rushing equity. When you look at his game logs, he has games of 49, 45, 74, 92, which I think would have been hundred if he didn't trip. I think that was the game. (laughs) So he is uh, like, he is truly one of the premier running quarterbacks in the league, despite the fact that he's probably one of the least accurate passers in the league. So given our small sample on Lutton, I don't think we can take too much away from his 300-yard game last week, whereas we can take a lot away from our sample on Daniel Jones, which is that regardless of how good or not he is as a passer, he's giving you 30-plus rushing yards per game, and his spikes are like nearly 100, could have been 100. So I think you go with Daniel Jones in the rushing production, despite the fact that, yeah, I think maybe maybe Lutton probably has a slight edge in passing yards. The rushing production is too much to pass up on.
0: I think you're right. And we're in the same. I'm just not going to go with a quarterback making his second start. I need to see more from a sixth-round QB enable in order to start him at least above guys that I know are going to see the field with some rushing upside. Gavin's back in the chat. We're doing so we've answered Gavin's ugly dynasty start two decision a couple times this year. You probably remember because you told me I think two weeks ago you really like these kind of questions. So it's a dynasty league for Gavin. He has to start two of Darnell Mooney, Randall Cobb. Jalen Rieger, or Keelan Cole. It looks like he also has Jacoby Myers. So, all right. So two of these five. I'm going to give it to you again. Darnell Mooney, Randall Cobb, Jalen Rieger, Keelan Cole, or Jacoby Myers.
1: So if DJ Chark doesn't play, uh, what's the status of Chenault? Has Chenault? Is he going to he play practiced. this week? Okay, he that's practiced. what I thought. Uh, he's been gotten it out all year. That's what I thought. I know he's dealt with other injuries, too. If DJ Chark doesn't play, Keelan Cole, maybe he's enters the conversation. But as long as we have, like, a decent chance of Chark playing – I'm going to throw out Keelan Cole. Um, I'm probably going to throw Jacoby Myers in there. I I think he's maybe the one who we could project to see the most volume. It is also probably the most difficult matchup of these guys have to think about who all we're talking about right now. But regardless of matchup, when you take a guy who's just coming off 14 targets and his competition, like I, I think Nikhil Harry might've come back to practice. I don't really care. Like they have terrible receivers and Jacoby Myers for having no name brand value actually looks like a decent receiver. Like he's kind of, Travis Fulgaming his way into this offense where he comes in with no acclaim, but his competition is just so soft that being a competent receiver is good enough. So Jacoby Myers, what are my other options? Jalen Rieger. I'm going to throw out Randall Cobb just because the volume doesn't look great. I like all these guys are actually like viable starters. There's a lot of mix of like deep flex guys that I am starting in a various number of leagues. Like Darnell Mooney. I like a lot in a various number of leagues. I think though, ultimately I'm going to go with Jalen Rieger. I think he probably has the most potential to be a top two receiver on his team of these guys. And I would say he's probably the most talented of these guys. So I think I'm banking the most volume for sure with Jacoby Myers out of the rest of the guys. It's a toss up. I think Jalen Rieger would be my pick, but help me decide on this last one. Are we, how do you feel about Myers? I guess too, because I I seem
0: to be pretty much dead set on him. Oh, Myers is the guy would, I would immediately start out of that group. We're in agreement that Myers is the one, I think after that, you can make a case for Rieger. He hasn't really displayed it yet, but I think Rieger has the most upside out of these guys. After that, it's probably Mooney for me just because he has a locked-in role to the Bears offense. Now, it is the Bears offense, so we have to take this for what it's worth. He's more of a boom-bust play because of that attachment to Nick Foles as well. But again, league-high pass rate. He's running as the wide receiver, too. I think we can bank on volume, just efficiency might not be there. Hopefully he catches a long pass for a touchdown. So I think I'm going to tentatively side with Mooney, but I I do agree with you that Rieger has a lot of upside there as well. We have a rankings question. There is a number of quarterbacks in this list, so I'm going to give it to you straight up. Right now, Jeremy has Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Jared Goff, and Aaron Rodgers this must be a short league if you have these options, but uh, <laughs> ranking these guys is going to be really tough this week. I, I'm going to go uh, basically in the order you have them with one exception. It's going to yep. be Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, followed by Goff.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I read it too. I almost said, yeah, well, you just take them in the order they are. And then I realized that I'd be taking golf over Rodgers. It is the order they come in with Goff stepping one spot behind to Rodgers. Even golf is in a great spot this week. It just happens to be that like all of these guys are in good spots. Like the, Murray versus Allen game should be absolutely nuts featuring points on both sides. The rushing production though, oh. like Kyler Murray on pace to set like set records for rushing numbers. So I think Kyler Murray for that reason takes the cake. And then you have Josh Allen as, as a close number two. the game environment. Although it is a terrible, a great defensive matchup, a terrible defense. I just think the back and forth nature won't be present for Aaron Rodgers, So he comes in as number three. Then there's an obvious gap, but like Jared Goff is still a, a solid streaming option. And like in most leagues, quarterback is, is not like the most important position. Like you're losing it by losing in the flex pretty badly because of injuries or I don't know, maybe you just suck at drafting. I'm fine with playing Jared Goff. Like I, I think Jared Goff is a perfectly fine streamer in this matchup versus like a, a historically bad Seattle defense. They are giving up over 360 passing yards per game. That's like a 50 yard gap between them and number 31. So they're incredibly bad. If this was uh, like a deeper list, I'd probably be
0: saying Goff is over a lot of guys. Yeah. So there's a follow-up question from someone else in the chat. It's Tom Brady versus Jared Goff. So I'm going to elaborate on the Jared Goff for a second here. A lot of people I think are scared of Jared Goff and it's because the Rams have been so run heavy this year. Their offensive coaching staff is largely the same. Sean McVay is calling their plays. Now Sean McVay has been very sensitive to game script throughout his tenure as the Rams play caller. Last year, Jared Goff tied for the league lead in pass attempts. Last week, Jared Goff attempted over 60 passes. When this team is down or in competitive game scripts, they're not a run-first team. They will embrace the pass, and that's what projects to happen in this spot. So I think looking to Jared Goff in this situation over Tom Brady is probably the way I would go. I don't think Tom Brady's a bad starter. You and I have talked at length about this week. We actually like Tom Brady as a bounce-back candidate and what looks like a sneaky shooter as well. But if I'm picking between the two, it's going to be Jared Goff. What do you make between Jared Goff and Tom Brady? Ooh, that is really close. That's like, uh,
1: yeah, I think I would go goff as well specifically because like you said I, I kind of am not nearly as afraid of the uh like the run heavy approach that we could see because the game figures to be close and i wouldn't be surprised if seattle ends up taking leaks their offense is so good and should not care about defenses so for that reason i think jared goff probably has a higher floor than people realize like the matchup is just so good and goff has been perfectly fine he's been like a top 20 passer by yards per attempt and adjust yards per attempt he is a perfectly average he's probably the perfectly average quarterback nothing more nothing less facing one of the the nfl's worst defenses in like the
0: modern era of football so i think i would go golf here although it is quite close i think you're right now a really interesting flex question from pk in the chat chris godwin or brandon cooks i want to spend a little bit of time on this one because it's two players i really like and i find this decision to be difficult I like Chris Godwin a ton as a bounce back coming off what was just a down game for Tampa Bay overall. Now, Chris Godwin, specifically talking about Chris Godwin as a receiver, comes back, plays 94% of snaps, ties for a teed, leave, teed leave in targets at six. All that is great from just looking at his tertiary stats when they're in games that are more competitive, which they this week should be against Carolina. I think Chris Godwin's going to play a larger role. And our priors on Chris Godwin are fantastic. I'll be looking to play a lot of him. With that said, Houston's been throwing the ball a ton. They've been very fast in place per game. And Brandon Cooks looks like he's emerged as the number one pass catcher there. I'm going to give a tentative lean towards Chris Godwin. Do you have a different take between these two?
1: Yeah, it's a very tentative lean, but I think the competition for targets is simply greater in Tampa Bay. And neither of these teams, like I, I think maybe Tampa Bay, like their implied team total is a bit higher, but neither of these teams, I think are bad passing games target. I think they're quite similar passing games target. Given that, I think the tight end, the number three receiver in Tampa Bay dwarfed the tight end and number three receiver in Houston in terms of the volume we have to project Antonio Brown to get and the volume we have to project Gronk to get. So because I think there's – like, I still think Chris Godwin's the number one. Don't get me wrong. But I think he has less of a chance to be this dominant number one than Brandon cooks, who outside of like, Will fuller, I like, sure. You get some like dump offs to Duke Johnson. They split some work between Akins and Fells and Randall Cobb, but like you're looking at Randall Cobb versus Antonio Brown and Jordan Akins and Darren Fells versus Rob Gronkowski. I project the Tampa Bay deeper receiving options to eat away more at Chris Godwin's role, which should still be good, but they should eat away more at the role than really just will fuller competing for targets with Brandon cooks at the high tier of guys you're considering.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong there. I mean, it's a it's a great matchup for, for Houston as well. They face Cleveland in what, as a 49.5 team, excuse me, over, under, not team total. So it's projects to be a close game with a lot of points scored. That's always good for your pass catchers. Conversely, Tampa Bay and Carolina, 50 and a half point team total, good as well. So you're really deciding between two fantastic options overall, in my opinion. As uh, so who's the Steelers starting quarterback this week, it looks like it's going to be Big Ben, We have a question for a flex spot, Alan Lazard, Tyler Boyd, Antonio Gibson, or Sterling Shepard. For me, it's going to be Tyler Boyd in that situation. I think he's just downright the best player. I like Lazard a lot. Not sure if he'll play or what his role will be coming off the injury. Antonio Gibson's been on the injury report. I know he practiced in full, but still he's in a timeshare with J.D. McKissick, and Sterling Shepard plays for the Giants, and I don't think there's a lot much more analysis we need there. What do you make between Alan Lazard, Tyler Boyd, Antonio Gibson, and Sterling Shepard?
1: Yeah, Tyler Boyd playing on one of the teams passing at the highest rates. He's one of the guys who like he consistently has this role. Whereas I think with A.T. Higgins versus A.J. Green or even like Auden Tate who pops up every now and then, these guys all kind of rotate getting volume on the outside. Tyler Boyd's role is the only one that is like vastly unique versus his uh, like his teammates. So his role should be more consistent on an offense that loves to pass. I get the matchup is difficult. I think one like he, he's probably the least affected by it maybe because he gets there so much on volume. And assuming this is a PPR league, that's kind of all you need. So. I think Tyler Boyd is is pretty clearly the guy for me out of all these guys in a few weeks. Could we be saying like, wow, Alan Lazard running as the number two for this team or like Sterling Shepard just logging all these 10 target games. Sure. But for now, I'm just going to keep rolling with the volume and Tyler Boyd.
0: I agree with you. I think Tyler Boyd is, is the guy I would pick in that situation too. Guys, keep throwing your questions into chat. If we have them do us a favor and hit that thumbs up button too. It's the best way to support Kyle and myself as we wait for some more questions to come in. I want to tell you about a promo we have going on right now at Osmo. It is about the Masters. The Masters is here, of course. You can celebrate the final golf major of the year with an Osmo Plus Platinum Weekly Pass for 50% off when you use promo code Augusta at checkout. That's one week of everything Osmo Plus has to offer for the price of an NFL Weekly Pass. This package includes full access to all Osmo Plus features, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel lineup builder, and much more. The offer is valid through today, November 13th. So that promo, again, it is code Augusta. Of course, you can also get access to all the great Awesome Plus tools for nearly every sport out there with just a weekly pass, $29.95. That is access to everything we just mentioned, player projections, ownership projections, premium slack, much more. You can just play NFL, that's $14.95. You can give the Express weekly pass a shot, $3.95. All of that available at Osmo. Again, the promo code for today is Augusta. Back to the chat. All right. Some good questions coming in. We have Travis Fulgham versus Brandon Ayuk. Fulgham is an interesting player to look at as we move forward because this Philadelphia team is actually getting healthier. I mean, Miles Sanders looks like he's going to be back. They returned Dallas Goddard. Jalen Riggers off injured reserve. I want to ask you between Falgum and Ayuk, but then follow up, what do you make of Fulgham the rest of the season?
1: Yeah, so I think we've probably seen a bit over expectation because of what you said on Fulgham. I think they, Alastair Jeffrey is supposed to practice a week. Honestly, I, I think that's more interesting that he's even playing at this point because he's like so bad and old. And I don't think he even comes back to much of a role, whereas Travis Folgum just does what he used to do, but better now at least. So, yeah, I think Folgum is, is probably because they are getting Dallas Goddard back, they're getting Sanders, you know, Rieger, all of these guys is going to not see quite as many of these, like, 10, 11, 12 target games. But should should he slot in between, like, 8 and 10 targets a game, potentially, as long as their team is, like, playing in, like, tight football games, essentially? And if they're playing in losing games, which they've done that a lot this season, he should be getting – he should actually, like, be cresting 10 targets a game. So, I think his floor is probably, like, far ahead of a guy like Brandon and I, who we just don't know what we're going to see, both from the receiving breakdown and more so from the offense. Like, this offense could just be completely washed, which is not, like – It's not their fault. They don't have like, you know, they they couldn't have predicted that this stuff would happen, but it is. And we have to go on that now that the San Francisco offense is more likely than not going to look really rough for the coming, I don't know, rest of season. So for that, I think you just get so much more of a floor offensively when you look at the context of who these guys are playing with in going with the Fulgham. The targets could be similar, but I still project Fulgham for more targets as well. So it's pretty clearly Fulgham for me.
0: I love the idea of you telling Kyle Shanahan, Kyle, you know what? It's not your fault you had to play Michael Hasty and Jordan Reed and Ross Dwelly. It's really not your fault.
1: <laughs> from but one Kyle anyway. to another, I get how difficult these things are. You know, you couldn't prevent all these injuries. How could I know, like, how could I know Dalvin Cook
0: was a good play? You know, we're in the same boat here. <laughs> I'm with you. A question from our very young producer, Jordan Klein. He asks Mike Williams or Mike Evans? All right, battle of the mics. It's a full point PPR league. This is, I mean, this is pure 2020, where we're debating between Mike Williams, who was like a 12th round draft pick, versus Mike Evans, who's a second, third round pick across fantasy leagues. It's really hard to side with Mike Evans at this point. I won't lie to you, but I'm still going to go based on my priors because I think the decision's close and go with Mike Evans in the situation. I can't fault you if you do choose Mike Williams. I think his quarterback play is better at this point. He plays in the more exciting offense, albeit slightly, but I'll go with Mike Evans. We know he is an alpha in this league when he's right.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, like maybe we should we should definitely project when they have a full healthy core of receivers that he is at best a one B, maybe even a number two. But that is all of Mike Williams is like he's definitely not getting targets over a Keenan Allen. I think they're in similar boats outside of like maybe, you know, the number three receiver for the Chargers isn't quite as uh, as up there as, uh, you know, Jalen Guyton or whatever. It's not quite as good as Antonio Brown, but still and maybe the most encouraging thing was that Mike Evans ran around on nearly all of Tom Brady's dropbacks believe he was tied for a team high in targets so he's probably in a similar role as mike williams but our priors on him should be stronger than they are with mike williams so i'm going to roll with mike evans although it is at this point unfortunately a bit close if you spent like you know second third round draft capital
0: on a mike evans i agree with you i i, I think you gotta roll with him at this point still yeah now another question from the chat. let's see here curtis samuel or Deontay johnson or jerry judy man this is a tough decision here <laughs> I think for me, it's still Deontay Johnson. I think he is clearly the wide receiver one for this Pittsburgh team. I guess I shouldn't say clearly because I mean, when he goes down with injury, it rotates between (laughs) Juju and Claypool. Uh, But I think we can clearly say at this point, Juju Smith-Schuster is more of your possession style receiver in the slot. Deontay Johnson is not that. And while Jerry Judy may be a wide receiver one on his team, I much prefer the quarterback play for Pittsburgh versus Drew Locke in Denver. Curtis Samuel is still a wide receiver three to me. So he's the guy I would rule out in this situation. Again, Curtis Samuel, Deontay Johnson, or Jerry Judy? Yeah, even if you want to argue that Curtis Samuel is getting work over
1: DJ Moore, at best it makes him the wide receiver too, whereas I think that is sort of the floor for Deontay Johnson, is that he comes in, and, you know, it's a fluky game. Chase Claypool has a good matchup or whatever, and he gets more targets. I still think your floor ends up looking more like Deontay Johnson – Getting as many, like at least as many targets as Curtis Samuel. At most, he gets 12, 13, 14 targets. That's just not in the range for a guy like Curtis Samuel. It is for Jerry Judy. And I use the quarterback plays, the tiebreaker, Ben Roethlisberger. And I think we had like the thing earlier in the chat, and I'll dive into this just a tiny bit more. Ben Roethlisberger was just a close contact risk. I, th- I believe he sat next to Vance McDonald on their plane back, and they probably did a little smooching on the plane too. And that's how he got a, a positive test. I don't know. That's, so it was a no, he didn't get a positive test. He just got a high risk like a denotation. He has to return five negative tests and assuming I believe his first ones all came back negative. So he'll play this week and assuming he does play, it is, uh, it should be a decent offense. Whereas Drew Locke led offenses rarely do well. And sometimes it even has to take a second half as you're trailing against Atlanta, terrible defense. So I don't trust Drew Locke after one good game. I still trust Ben Reilsberger, not like great anymore, but better than Drew Locke and his number one
0: receiver. I will take over Jerry Judy. All right. I'm with you. We have an open-ended question and I kind of like these. So I'm going to answer this first. It is what is your best sleeper wide receiver this week? So to give you a little bit of time here, I'm going to talk to you guys about Mr. Jakeem Grant of the Miami Dolphins. So we're getting deep with our sleepers here. Basically, this is a game I want to target between LA and Miami It has sneaky shootout potential with a 48 and a half point total. Obviously, Preston Williams his injured reserve, opening a lot of opportunity in the Miami pass catching core. And I think it's basically Devonte Parker and then whoever's the wide receiver two at this point is wide open they do not seem set on using Mike Jasicki as a full-time tight end he's splitting with like Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen so I think Jakeem Grant is going to walk into some opportunity here what does he do with it I'm not 100% sure LA does have some injuries in their secondary so I think he's a sneaky player to watch as just someone that could be a sleeper on the week 10 for you know the wide receiver position Kyle who is yours
1: yeah, so I will give you one. I We talked about him earlier, but I now have some stats pulled up on him. It is Jalen Rieger. We saw in his first two games four targets in back-to-back games, and that second game, I believe he actually did leave at that game injured. So then he comes back and immediately gets six targets. Hasn't brought down a ton of them, but I do think that's variance that has hit him in a bad way, whereas like his 16 dot is among like the highest in the league. He's getting a decent amount of targets to that dot. You're looking at air yards, targets, a decent quarterback. I don't think he's his team's number one receiver, but like you can't really find sleeper. Like outside of Jacoby Myers week or like Braxton Berrios week, you're not finding number one receivers as sleepers. So I think as deep as it goes, I actually think Jalen Rieger, I'm continuing to grow on as we go through the course of this show, confirming my priors until
0: the end. I love Jalen Rieger. I think he's a great call as a sleeper receiver. All right, we have, it looks like it's just a running back play and it's Mike Davis, Duke Johnson, or Chase Edmonds. This is assuming Kenyon Drake is out. He specifies in the chat. Must be nice, first of all. All right, so Mm -hmm. Mike Davis, Duke Johnson, and Chase Edmonds. This is a tough situation. I actually think Chase Edmonds is probably the best raw play out of the situation if all of these guys are healthy. So Chase Edmonds, his role last week was absolutely bananas. Now this question qualifies that Kenyon Drake is out Chase Edmonds, of course, is playing in the crazy shootout game of the week with a 56.5-point total that's only been rising, saw 28 touches. Like Mike Davis and Duke Johnson, they project for bell cow roles. but Chase Edmonds, my goodness, he handled almost everything he possibly could. Again, it's Mike Davis, Duke Johnson, and Chase Edmonds, Kyle.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, you said the question qualifies that Kenyon Drake would be out. In that case, absolutely. I think you get somewhat similar roles between the mix of these guys, but you get probably the best offense by playing in the best game environment by playing Chase Edmonds. So I would roll Chase Edmonds there. If we do see Kenyon Drake play, I would go Mike Davis because he probably just has the most robust role after, you know, Kenyon Drake does end up coming back in. So for that reason, if Drake is out, Chase Edmonds is probably, he, he comes in as like potentially a top five running back on this slate. Let alone out of the context of
0: these guys, if he does not end up getting that role, it'd be Mike Davis for me. I'm with you. Now I hope you have chat pulled up because we have a pick three out of six options here. So it's gonna be a lot right. to a lot to digest. It's from James in the chats. So the options here are Antonio Gibson, Chris Godwin, Brandon Cooks, DJ Chark, DJ Moore, and Deontay Johnson. So I'm going to give you a couple for me right away. Again, it's pick three out of that group. I think Chris Godwin and Brandon Cooks are two guys you circle out of this list and you start immediately given their roles in the offense. So then we're basically looking at a pick one out of these four options is Antonio Gibson, DJ Chark, DJ Moore, and Deontay Johnson. I'm going to give the slight lean to Deontay Johnson over DJ Moore, and that's the order I would rank them for this upcoming week. Deontay Johnson, I do firmly believe is the wide receiver one in this offense, and he's seen nothing but volume when he's been healthy. I like DJ more, but he's clearly behind Robbie Anderson at this point. DJ Chark is dealing with an injury, and Antonio Gibson is in a split backfield with JD McKissick. So again, the three I'm choosing are Chris Godwin, Brandon Cooks, and Dionte Johnson. Kyle, here's your options again. I hope you have it pulled up. It's Antonio- I haven't it pulled up. I haven't pulled All up. All right, so you're ready. You can yep. t- you can yep. do it then.
1: I was on the spot because I knew you said there are six of them. I was like, I by the time you read the six one off, I will have forgotten picks one and two immediately. So yeah, exactly. I would- I was pretty much like when you said put in Chris Godwin, Brandon Cooks, I pretty much agreed that those are the two we can scoop off the top and then talk about our one out of four choice. And it wasn't really that close for me. Deontay Johnson, I I believe, and as we've seen with four, I believe four double digit target games, it has been clearly the Deontay Johnson show when he is healthy. Right now, we have no reason to assume he's not healthy other than the fact that he never seems to be healthy. But I'm going to go with like, He's going to be active this week. He's going to see a lot of targets. Like you said, Gibson is a timeshare back. I believe his team is an underdog this week as well. DJ Chark, not a bad option. I actually think in the game environment, at least his team should be passing a lot. I just don't trust his quarterback play. It was just a one-game sample on Lutton. He is still a backup, you know, day three quarterback. So I don't think he'd be a bad choice. I like the the high upside he gives you. I just think the floor is incredibly low. Whereas Dante Johnson, because of his target volume, probably has a not dissimilar upside. He'd just get there on volume as opposed to large catches. But that volume also gives him a much higher floor. So it was Johnson for me, Cooks, Godwin, and D.J. Moore. Agreed. I love D.J. Moore, both as a prospect, as a player to watch, and not as a bad fantasy player, but he's just number two receiver, which kind of sucks for all my dynasty teams. But uh, I'll get over it because I still think he's a good prospect.
0: I'm with you. I, I, we're, we've we been in lockstep so far the show. It's kind of weird, Kyle. But, you know, this is what happens when you work with a guy for 10 weeks. Now, <laughs> we have a start to their flexes. It is Joe Mixon. Devontae Parker, Tyler Boyd, and Christian Kirk. So I think Joe Mixon given a solid practice report on Friday. Today, we play Joe Mixon. And then I think it's Devontae Parker is the wide receiver one for Miami. He's basically been the only one with locked in target volume there all season. And I don't think Preston Williams being out is going to really help this Miami offense overall. So I think Parker is going to see a healthy target share. Tyler Boyd is close. I like Tyler Boyd a lot, but similar to what you said about Chris Godwin in the Tampa Bay offense, I think there's just more options there to siphon off a few targets from Tyler Boyd. Devontae Parker really doesn't have that outside of, you know, my boy, Jakeem Grant. Again, start two, it's Mixon, Parker, Boyd, and Kirk. Yeah,
1: so assuming Mixon does get out there this week, like we talked about, I think his floor is like one of the, like, more used rb ones and his ceiling is like outside of you know kamara or healthy mccaffrey he's up there with the best of them with you know your aaron jones and with your dalvin cooks that's just as much usage as we can expect so assuming he's healthy him and i, I it's a slightly i think Devontae parker and tyler boyd are so close i really like the game environment of the i believe it's a miami versus the chargers game i think that game should feature maybe a sneaky amount of scoring and Devontae parker his like his backups, like you said, are just so much weaker than most like most other teams, honestly. And it's injuries, and also they traded away their slot receiver and Isaiah Ford. So you know, I don't know. Bad luck there, tough scenes. But because of that, Devonte Parker probably projects for as high of a target share potentially as a Tyler Boyd, but also does move deeper down the field, which should net you more yards in the long run. So I will go a slight slight lean Devonte Parker over Tyler Boyd.
0: News God in the chat has some breaking news: Joe Mixon's not practicing uh, today. So this muddles the situation a little bit while we're on the question. I thought, I thought I would just stop this real quick. If Joe Mixon ends up being out or limited, I would pivot to Parker Boyd.
1: Yep. I completely agree. Where would you slot in Giovanni Bernard amongst let's like, let's throw him in with Mike Davis, Duke Johnson. Like, do we have any other like waiver? JD McKissick probably kind of falls in the lower tier of that range. Not really quite there. Where would
0: you slot him among like the, the basically backup running backs coming in this week? He'd be third for me. I'd still, so it's Mike Davis, Duke Johnson and Gio. You said,
1: yeah, I'm trying to think. Are there any other good like waiver wire pickups for this week? I doubt anyone really comes to that
0: level of back for seasonal leagues. I think there's a conversation to be had here Mike Davis. I still think has the best role. I, they're, they're actually all tough matches for these guys. Number two is probably Gio <laughs> just based on pass catching ability, even though the matchup against Pittsburgh's bad, and Duke Johnson, third. We haven't really seen any efficiency out of a Houston runner this year. So if I have those choices, I would go Davis, Geo, Duke. Same I think I you. give this,
1: I kind of give a slight lean to Duke over Geo because although his team's rushing out, but has been like a pretty, pretty miserable under David Johnson. I do think his team probably projects to score more points. I assume their implied team total is higher. So I'd give a slight lean to Duke. But uh, it's tight, and Mike Davis was kind of the the one who projects to see just the most robust role, not only out of these backs, but like if he does what he did in the first few weeks, one of the most robust roles in the entire league. So he was kind of the clear one. I'll go slightly into Duke though. This is our first our first fight of the of the uh of the show this week, and it's, if I could you know reach through the screen and strangle you, I wouldn't, cause I don't really care. Both guys are fine,
0: you know. It's uh the battle of the bad team totals. Houston twenty three. Cincinnati 19 and a half Carolina 22 and a half so we're we're within about a field goal everywhere where we're looking at these team totals not not ideal all right so we have John Brown Alan Lazard or Emmanuel Sanders I'm guessing this is the flex and I think John Brown stands out above the rest here above Lazard above Emmanuel Sanders he's playing in the best game environment he looks over the injury now he nearly topped 100 yards last week and this just looks like potentially the shootout of the year. So give me John Brown. Again, your options, Kyle, are John Brown, Lazard, and Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, I completely agree. They're
1: all at you know, roughly similar roles to each other. Maybe Lazard probably couldn't even expect to return to a number two receiver role right away. But one of these guys plays out in the shootout, plays in the shootout of the week. The other two don't. So I think if you have consistent roles across the board or roughly consistent, you know, give or take a target or two. You just take the guy whose team is projected to score the most points out of them and be in the best game
0: environment. Clearly John Brown for me. I'm with you. Now guys, our title sponsored the show. Yahoo daily fantasy. Of course, I want to tell you about Yahoo daily fantasy. They are the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV uploads and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Fantastic platform they have going on over there. A lot of great stuff, a lot of great tournaments, so make sure to check out Yahoo. As we get back to the chat, we have a lot of good questions, guys. Continue to throw those in there. Hit the thumbs up button if you haven't done so already, and we will continue to get to all of your questions. Holy smokes. Did, did you see Alex's question in the chat? He gave us an entire lineup question if we think he'll win. He's basically looking at a lineup of Rodgers, Camara, yeah, yeah. Eckler, Jones, Diggs. Like, dude, your lineup is stacked. If you're asking if you have a chance at winning, for you for sure do. Great lineup there. Yeah, I've read,
1: I read that lineup. That lineup's a, a complete just murderer's row. So I, I would imagine like, uh, like you know, anything can happen on a large sample of uh, or a small sample of one individual game. I have a, I have a dynasty team that is like led the league in scoring three consecutive years. And I bust in the first round of playoffs every year and throw a temper tantrum. So anything can happen. But if there
0: were a better f- betting favorite, this team would absolutely be it. For sure. For sure. All right. So a couple other questions. Belage or Pope? Actually, this is a topic I wanted to ask you about. We need to talk the Chargers backfield because Justin Jackson, he's looking like the wrong side of question, but we don't have for sure news on Justin Jackson yet. So watch him, but they're basically going to trot out three runners and they've made at least references to the hot hand approach. The players in this backfield, I think contending for this, this lead back role are Kalen Balaj, Troy main Pope and Joshua Kelly. Do you have a slight lean, any direction in this backfield?
1: Yeah, so I would imagine we would see Troy May and Pope simply because he was the guy who was on the roster and not on the practice squad. He cleared, or I, I'm not sure if he cleared concussion protocol, but he is uh, practice at all, or he is practiced already this week, excuse me. So I'm not sure exactly what the order of like operations, what, the, what your PEMDAS is in concussion protocol. But given that he's practiced, I assume we see him. And because he was the guy who was not on the practice squad and wasn't already cut by two previous teams, I would imagine he would be the guy and then Kelly and then Bellage, I feel like Kelly is always locked in to no more than 12 carries, but like no less than like seven or eight. I feel like they like using him as their number two and then rotating someone else as their number one. I'm not sure why that is the case, but at this point, it's pretty confirmed that that's what they want to do because they've done it almost all season with Jackson, Bellage and Pope all running ahead of him. And because Pope has like the priors with the team, I will take Pope probably getting into run over Bellage. None of these guys are great, though, because it could be a three-way committee. And at best, it's probably a two-back system. So it's really just a hope that you find the end zone with whichever one you choose. My ranking would be Pope, then Kelly, then Belage.
0: I'm with you. I think Troyman Pope gets a slight lean here. Just be, reading the tea leaves, like you mentioned, I think sometimes teams tell us how they view players without actually telling us how they view players. And like you said, he's the guy that wasn't on the practice squad. So it makes a little bit of sense here. Now, there's been a lot of questions about stacking in the chat. I'm not sure if you guys are referring to DFS, but this is a season-long show, a start-sit show, trying to just answer any questions you have. But there's a vague question about stacking. It's basically, do you guys try any type of stacking? Quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, maybe kicker, DST. In regards to seasonal fantasy leagues, I'm not trying to force stacks. You know, like when I'm drafting, it'll be a tiebreaker for me. For example, if I take, you know, like Justin Herbert obviously wasn't drafted this year. But if I already have Justin Herbert on my team, maybe I'm more likely to like take a Mike Williams. If as far as waiver wire pickups go, it's not really something I'm considering a lot. If it happens, it happens. How are you viewing stacking in the context of seasonal leagues?
1: Yeah, I I make it somewhat of a point, but I won't go too crazy for it. I will give like a a solid edge though, to the guys that I already have, because it's the same thing as in my DFS lineups. I know that if I am playing say like let's say I took Deshaun Watson I know that if I'm playing Deshaun Watson I am assuming that he plays well why would it like I've already basically made a bet on one of Brandon Cook's or Will Fuller by drafting Deshaun Watson so I really don't Risk anything by drafting those guys. I just increase. I like correlate my lineups essentially. So I do make it a point to generally try and get the top receiver for most of my quarterbacks if it's possible. Although I won't make any like wild bad decisions just to get that quarterback or to get the receiver usually. So I think it's probably also easier when you're taking like your second quarterback because it's so late that you don't give up a ton. Like say, you know, say, say I took Deontay Johnson in a draft. I don't really have to give up a ton to take, you know, Ben Roethlisberger in the double digit rounds where I actually am committing a lot. Like say I somehow got Patrick Mahomes. Like I already can't even like I've already had to have made that decision. So it's a lot easier to just go with the high upside quarterback and say, you know, I had a Mike Williams. I was probably the first guy to pick up Justin Herbert if I could. It's not a core tenant of how I'm playing, but it's definitely a thing I consider and probably strive to do so more than most season long players. I would imagine.
0: Yeah, I think as long as you're just not overpaying. So things that come to mind when you're drafting, you're not egregiously reaching on players. When you're making trades, you're not overpaying for them. When you're picking up guys on waivers, you're not overbidding if you're playing in a free agent budget league. But I I actually do have a good example of this. And there's some people in the chat talking about this a little bit too. Someone I could see, you know, maybe looking as a, a waiver wire claim this week to stack with your quarterback would be Gabriel Davis if you had Josh Allen. And it's mainly because they're correlated they're in the best game environment of the week. Is this a potential avenue where you could look to stack maybe just a a waiver wire type player with your signal caller in a fantastic game environment?
1: Yeah, it really depends who's available. Obviously, it'd be difficult to look at someone's league and know like everyone that's available. But yeah, I will use it just as a way to say like uh, the same thing. I've already made a bet on Josh Allen by putting him in my starting lineup this week. Why not like correlate my already low probability hit of like picking up a a pretty crappy waiver wire receiver why not correlate that with my quarterback who I already have committed to so it's a small lean again but another thing that I do consider when looking at the waiver wire especially like you know you could probably say the same thing with Alan Zard if you were starting Aaron Rodgers and someone cut Alan Zard which like I don't know he's been out for a while he probably did I would consider picking him up Dallas Goddard was another guy who, I don't know, you probably cut Carson Wentz a long time ago, but you can probably <laughs> pick both of them up, do the double streaming option. I was actually, this is a perfect example. I have some super flex leagues where I was double streaming the Nick Foles when he got the start and Jimmy Graham, but like super flex and tight end premium leagues. That was a, a core tenant of my waiver wire strategy for super flex was play the bears. And it sort of worked out,
0: I guess. So, God, i never heard. I thought anyone say that play the bears and it worked out props to you, <laughs> Kyle props to you. All right, we have a flex question. It's Giovanni Bernard versus John Brown. I'm going to assume for the purposes of the question that we are talking about a Giovanni Bernard with a Joe Mixon out. I, I take the bell cow backs in this situation, and I do think Giovanni Bernard handles a large majority of that workload. He did so when Joe Mixon was previously hurt. So I know John Brown's in a phenomenal spot, but I'm still going to take the work. Giovanni versus John Brown.
1: Yeah, I take the work only slightly just because John Brown, not only does he have Svon Diggs who will certainly like on the median get more targets than him, he also has other players who could figure in to the the passing structure with a Cole Beasley who has multiple games where he gets more targets than John Brown, even Gabriel Davis, like we said, probably the number four receiver, but one long touchdown from him, like we saw last week, actually I don't know if it was long, one touchdown from him is a touchdown John Brown doesn't necessarily get, whereas Giovanni Bernard I mean, give up two carries and a target to Samaj P Ryan or whatever. It's really just no one else in this backfield. So I'm going to lock in the volume just like you are.
0: All right, guys, we have about 10, 12 minutes left. Throw your questions into the chat and we will get to them all. I want to tell you about some free content before we do so. There's free content every single day at Osmo.com. Today, we have NFL DFS big board available for free. UFC pro plays also free. We also have one of... I think the most cutting edge tools in all of sports betting at Osmo, it is our odd shopper tool. This tool, you literally go in, you can check lines, totals, player props. You can search players by name and find their various props across different books. And that allows you to find the best price, saves you a ton of time and ensures you're getting the best price. There's also a couple other really cool tools with this odd shopper tool. You can track your bets specifically, know how you're doing. You can set, little alerts for yourself so you know when bets hit a certain price so you never miss the best line that you're targeting all of this can be found at oddshopper.awesomo.com and best of all this tool is free i think it's changed the game with sports betting and if you are a sports better yourself thinking about sports betting give yourself an edge use this free tool and find the best prices across sports books all right getting back to the chat a few others have been rolling through it's this is kind of a vague question but are Henry Ruggs and Austin Hooper starts or sits this week? I think, Kyle, I'm I going to predict what you're going to say. It depends on your options, but I think Henry, yeah. Ruggs, Henry Ruggs at this point, he's more of a sit for me. He's not seeing significant volume, and the volume he's seeing on the field, it, it just hasn't been good volume. He hasn't been connecting with Derek Carr. Derek Carr, for some reason, prefers Nelson Aguilar. I think Rugs is a sit. The tight end position is a much different conversation for me. I think you're probably playing Austin Hooper because I don't think you're looking at the waiver wire. You're probably finding a lot of better options. Maybe you you could find someone like a Logan Thomas, but I think that's a tough decision. Do you think Rugs and Hooper are sits at this point?
1: Yeah, Rugs definitely. It's just not enough volume, and it's volume that Derek Carr, like we talked about, just hasn't really been able to hit with him on. And it's just like, why are they – I don't get why they're not scheming up more of this short ADOT stuff. Like It's like they just don't understand how to utilize a weapon like Henry Ruggs, but until they start using him the way we think he should be, you can't play So I'm not playing Ruggs. Austin Hooper, exactly as you said. It's a much different conversation. I think maybe the one guy I would argue – like I don't like Austin Hooper a ton this week. The one guy I would argue playing him over would be Mike Gusecki. I think there's a lot of teams, or at least a lot of the Mike Gusecki teams – could be looking up looking to pick up Austin Hooper he's the one guy who you drafted with high expectations that I think I would actually be comfortable sitting for Hooper outside of that like we talked about earlier I'm still playing like I'm playing Goddard's I'm playing Hunter Henry Logan Thomas maybe another question I I, I guess I'd say Hooper over Thomas so I'll say Hooper over Thomas Hooper over Gusecki most of the other guys I think you could bring a question to me Hooper versus I would take the other guy
0: it makes a lot of sense and Alex asks if we should be worried about Jonathan Taylor. I think we have early contender for chat comment of the year. Gavin says, you should be worried that Trent Richardson keeps wearing Jonathan Taylor's jersey every game out there. My goodness, that is ruthless, Gavin. But you're not exactly wrong. I know Jonathan Taylor has been dealing with an injury. And it's not an injury that's keeping him out of games. But Frank Frank Reich, their head coach, even alluded to it. Says that Jonathan Taylor's banged up, and that could be what's affecting his, his efficiency. I'm not actually sure, but at this point, we do need to be worried, not just because of Jordan Wilkins, but Naheem Hines as well. We saw Naheem Hines very involved last night. So we're going to leave it at that. We're going to leave the Trent Richardson comment alone there. Moving forward, we have a pick two between Sterling Shepard, Marquise Brown, Jacoby Myers, and Jalen Rieger. This is an interesting decision point because Marquise Brown... A lot of metrics really like him like target share. Fantastic. Area are fantastic, but this Ravens team is just running so many raw run plays. Marquise Brown's not seeing the volume and it's making him a very volatile fantasy asset. I'm still going to play Marquise Brown out of these four based on his role in the offense. If Baltimore ends up in a competitive script, Marquise Brown likely sees the volume, but again, he's volatile at this point. So again, Kyle, the options we have are Sterling Shepard, Marquise Brown, Jacoby Myers, and Jalen Rieger. Marquise Brown is going to be the one guy isolate here, and I'll go Jacoby Myers too. I think he's also a wide receiver one for this offense. Sterling Shepard the previous game without Golden Tate, not sure how that situation shakes out. Jalen Rieger, there's still a little uncertainty there. I think he has a chance to be the wide receiver one, but I think until further notice, until Julian Edelman returns, Jacoby Myers has that role. So again, Shepard, Marquise Brown, Jacoby Myers, Jalen Rieger.
1: Yeah, I'll go with a slight lean towards uh towards Marquise Brown until he can like if he stops jamming these stupid air yards in my face, I'll stop playing him. But until he like until he doesn't operate as both a number one receiver and a deep A dot number one receiver, I'm gonna keep playing him. Lamar Jackson has not been good this year, but like he's still been modestly efficient. I think his mistakes have just been much more egregious than they have been last year. He still has like a decent touchdown rate, not a horrible yards per attempt. So I think maybe we are overrating how much the regression has hit lamar jackson because our expectations were set too high he's been okay it's not been great but i still think like when you look at what like terry mclaurin does with terrible quarterback play we should expect similar spike games from marquise brown and yeah the lows in between the spike games will be kind of egregious but you just kind of have to accept that with marquise brown on any given week and i just can't imagine sitting marquise brown on the week that he goes for 150 and two touchdowns so probably still playing them until that game comes or it never comes. And I lose all the games, you know, maybe that just is what it is, but I'm betting on that not happening because the volume indicates that it shouldn't happen.
0: And I hope this multi-touchdown game is coming. I need it in my, some of my seasonal leagues, a CTM. He brings up a good point. As far as the tight end discussion, we, we have potentially TJ Hawkinson out. We don't know this for sure yet, but TJ Hawkinson is on the injury report that could set up Jesse James. So do you prefer Jesse James or Austin Hooper?
1: Um, I think I would go still with Hooper just because I'm not sure, like could we guarantee that Jesse James steps into this full role? Maybe, but I think his upside would look something similar to the upside with Hooper, whereas we just know what role Hooper is going to play. I think maybe he even could play a larger role than Hooper, but I would say just the error bands are so wide on projecting Jesse James to step in, to run all of the routes, and then be targeted on those routes, whereas we can reasonably project Hooper to be the – one you could argue maybe a 1A to like a Harrison Bryant 1B but the number one tight end on his team and he was drawing a decent amount of targets before getting injured uh, like not even injured it was like an appendicitis so I would take Hooper still although James would like James is another guy who kind of enters that uh, that low-end deep streaming conversation I'll link this to another streaming conversation we had or another question but it
0: might not it- matter I tweet just came through that TJ Hawkinson is back at practice today yeah, there's oh, well, Scott in the chat, so it
1: doesn't well, matter. there you go. Uh We did have another, like, deep streaming one. Desperate for a tight end with Hurst on by Gerald Everett, Logan Thomas, or Robert Tunyon. I'm going to give the lean to Logan Thomas. It's the same thing that I talked about with Marquise Brown. I'm going to go with the volume despite the ugly quarterback play, despite the, like, the really struggling weeks. I think we still had, I believe it's two of the past three games he's played in, he scored a touchdown. Logan Thomas has. And Alex Smith seems to have an affinity for these low eight-up throws, so... I'm going to go with Logan Thomas here. Tanyan just doesn't play like he's like the number three or four pass catching option on his team at this point. Gerald Everett is a committee tight end, although maybe one of the only viable streaming committee tight ends. I'm still going to take the locked in volume with Thomas.
0: I'm with you on that. Thanks for catching that question, by the way. Out of those three, I do think it's Logan Thomas over Gerald Everett and Robert Tanyan. Now it looks like we don't have a lot of questions coming through. We have about four minutes left. if If you have a quick one, throw it into the chat. I'll look to a couple just situations I think people should be aware of as we head off the start-sit show here. One, I think that's not getting publicized enough is this Josh Jacobs injury. Now, it's not something that's likely going to cause Josh Jacobs to sit, but it certainly caused Devontae Booker to cut into his role. I want to ask you what this means for Josh Jacobs moving forward. Do you think it's enough to, you know, like bump Jacobs down to a flex play? Do you think it makes Devontae Booker himself a flex worthy play? What are we doing with the Las Vegas backfield?
1: Yeah, I think you still have to start Josh Jacobs. Probably it's just limit your expectations. I, I would be very surprised if teams can really find viable plays over him on the waiver wire and at this point especially because we're talking about start sets on friday maybe if this is the waiver wire show i would say oh well if someone dropped mike davis so you could pick up duke johnson like go for those guys giovanni bernard i think for you would fall into a conversation for him but at this point all of those guys are probably been added in all of your leagues you're not finding anyone else on the waiver wire that's going to beat josh jacobs so i still think you're playing him
0: i think so too we have a davis or kirk half point pbr i'm going to assume this is Mike Davis. And I think Mike Davis is the clear lean over Christian Kirk. Any qualms with that?
1: Nope. No qualms with that. Uh, if it, what if it was Corey Davis or Gabriel Davis? So Corey Davis I already have...
0: played. So I you probably already lost that decision. If it's Gabriel Davis, it's Christian Kirk.
1: Yeah. Um, are there any other Davises we're missing?
0: Davis-matic.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't All start. Right. He's, too, he's too short and slow. He could never make it in the league.
0: Are there any players that you would play over Aaron Jones this week? I mean – if you have Devontae Adams in your flex, otherwise, no, you play Aaron Jones. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about opposing teams that have a QB and one of your wide receivers? So theoretically, this would be like, I'm playing Stefan Diggs and I'm playing against Kyle who has jo- uh, Josh Allen. I Don't get cute with it. If you're dealing with some of your studs and you just happen to be going up against the quarterback on the other side, just take the points, try to get your edges elsewhere. It's kind of how I view it. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean the only way I would really consider making a swap is if it had already like if the week had already played out and we were looking at a Sunday night or Monday game and I was like a massive underdog and I was playing like I don't know, what's the what's the Monday night game? Do we have like huh. would it be like Nick Foles? Is is that the Monday night game, Chicago versus uh, Yeah it is Chicago, Minnesota. Minnesota. You know, say I had say I had Anthony Miller and I was playing in my deep flex leagues and I was playing against a Nick Foles lineup and I was down by a lot. I probably would look for a swap to like if Irv Smith was there, I'd maybe try and flex Irv Smith, but it is really only like the most desperate of plays where I know there is no chance of me winning. Otherwise I'm
0: really not sacrificing a lot of value to avoid that like opposition matchup. God, man. I hope you don't have to make that choice. I really I probably sometime.
1: do.
0: <laughs> Let's hope not, but all right guys, that'll do it for today. The start sit show. We don't have any other upcoming shows today, but we have shows every single day on the awesome all platform tomorrow. Tomorrow, Kicks off with the college football show at 945 Eastern time. It is yours truly. I'll be there with Ben Raza talking everything college football. There will be a number of shows throughout the day. So stay tuned for those. We also have a podcast network. If you ever miss these shows live and you don't want to keep YouTube open, check it out anywhere you can find podcasts, hit that thumbs up before for us, before we head out. And thanks to Yahoo, our title sponsor. My name is Matt Gajewski. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore gajeski. He is Kyle Dvorak. You can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. We will be back again next week. Same time, same place. Thank you, guys. We appreciate all of your questions. Good luck. I actually like the...